right now Miko I'm in the dog park in uh, Riga is that because you are a dog yeah I'm a dog wow this yeah. is new information <laughs> for me yeah I know uh, no uh, but I, I thought I I, I tried this uh, let's uh, to do the first part here and then we see perfect uh, how it goes I will go home to my studio uh, when you're tired of this ambience <laughs> perfect 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 okay first of all Sorry, all listeners, for uh, letting <laughs> you not know about our half-year break. <laughs> Was it a half-year break? Uh, I guess four Almost months. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. Yes, yeah, yeah. sorry, listeners. But we're back at it. We're back. Uh, wow. Wow. It's been some time. Uh, hey, Mikael. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's been some time and it, a lot of things have happened, so we haven't uh, any uh, uh, like planned topics for the day, but I believe that we have a lot to talk about, so we just have to decide something. This is in the end just going to be one long se- session section of reflection, the whole yeah. podcast. Um, how am I? I'm doing good. I am, uh, I've had a nice summer, an interesting yeah. summer, an intense summer. But uh, for our audio nerds out there, uh, right now I'm recording this through my new Rupert Neve Shelfer channel. So I hope you all appreciate how creamy I am sounding right now. Sounds very creamy. Creamy. I, I SM7B into yeah, uh, SM7B Shelford. Into the Shelford. No EQ, little compression, and the game is fully cranked. As cranked as cranked gets. It's kind of double cream because SM7 is known to be quite creamy as well. And all of this considering that I don't even like cream. So just like iced coffee, this is completely (laughs) (laughs) adventurous to me. Shit, where do we begin? Have you had... Okay, Mika, let's dive in. Yeah. Have you uh, had any uh, audio oral adventures recently have you had any breakthroughs in your head any things you've heard in our podcast that you want to reflect on any audio things yeah i have loads of them all right Let's, first one uh, so much to choose from uh mm. I, I guess uh, i always thought you were more of an api guy and here you are with the fancy neve thing so that's a uh, that's a little reflection uh, th- that you can talk about later maybe that's I an interesting know reflection how, how, yeah, I want to know how you made that decision. Mm-hmm. Maybe you said you didn't like cream. Uh, okay, I, I go into this now. You didn't like cre- yeah. cream because I see Neve as creamy and API as crunchy. What basically what happened is I got some royalties in and it was time. I've been looking at, okay, what kind of front end for my whole recording do I want? And my main point in life when it comes to buying stuff is i hate buying stuff twice or like buying something and having to replace it or wanting to upgrade i hate upgrading if i can get 
something good right away then why not go with that and as far as build quality and sound quality and also how handmade and how wonderful it is and also knowing that it's such high quality sound and also just sounds nice i after long thinking i was well the rupert neve shelfer channel that's never going to go out of fashion it's going to keep its value very well and there won't be anything wrong with the quality the build quality of it at all in the long run i bet api is the same but this felt like the most yeah this is something i can blindly trust buying it knowing that if i make the sound bad it's it's not because of the equipment it's because of me that yeah. i have <laughs> fucked this up and that that i like that because that allows for growth and also that i will get to know this unit better and hopefully it will stay with me forever so those were yeah. the ideas i don't i don't go into the sound idea of it too much to be honest because i an api or a rupert neve shelver thing or an ams neve thing or whatever high if you get a manly preamp they're all going to be of the highest quality and it's all going to be great so it doesn't really come down to yeah oh i like this flavor more than the other it was just this felt like the most logical decision yeah. different parts of good and different versions of very nice exactly exactly yeah. so in the end it's just a tool and mm -hmm. this felt like the tool that was going to last the longest yeah uh Okay, uh, while uh, hearing this, uh, thank you for explanation. Mm. I have um, remembered a thing that I might want to talk about that has been a breakthrough uh, with right. recordings since the last... Uh, yeah, uh, so I will de go. I will just go into that. Uh, we, uh, this summer, uh, you were there as well. We, um, I did a thing that I've been wanting to do for a very long mm. time. Uh, quite inspired by the Let It Be album by Beatles mm -hmm. uh, where they recorded on the rooftop uh, mm. on Abbey Road uh, I didn't go to the rooftop of Abbey Road <laughs> we went to a house uh, in the middle of the woods mm -hmm. in Sweden and uh, recorded drums mainly but also a lot of uh, other things uh, outdoors like um, in the open air mm -hmm. I, I just been wanting to try it for so long just just for for knowing how how it is how how will it turn out and how what will be different and i think my main learning from that was uh, that the, um, it, it's very hard to get something to sound exciting without the room Ooh, that's good for sure point. yeah and i also realize how much the rooms are contributing in the low mids in the low uh, like w what many like people call about the is your room treated or not yeah and um, uh, it had led me to very deep youtube uh, things where i've been watching different approaches and different philosophies and quite a lot digged into the work of uh, steve albini mm -hmm. because he's uh, known for not really uh, using uh, like um, diffusers or or anything I mean, he, he uses he often just uses the rooms, there as it is when he comes into a place. Cool. Or like, uh, and there is even a story in him, with him in uh, he came to a, a very famous studio in Sweden that is very known for having a yeah, very very good sound. But he came in and it's like this is they were doing like a punk record and it wouldn't work with that dead sound. So he just got all the equipment out to a little barn just outside. 
uh, to record there. And I was like, I, I, it goes against what so many people are doing. But mm-hmm. I, I can kind of understand. I mean, if you listen to his records, he has one of the most beautiful drums uh, I've ever heard. I think, especially like the Nirvana in Uture sound, I, I, I love a lot, and it's a lot of room in those. Uh, and when I did this recording in the summer, I realized that there is no energy in the low mids in my drums. Mm. Like, I couldn't, I, don't, I didn't understand. And then I recorded some acoustic guitar outdoors as well. And like, the only thing I know about, like, every time I record acoustic guitars, I have to dip, like, yeah. to 300 to 700. It can 700. get so boomy and so... Yeah. Yeah. Now I realize that is not the guitar most often. That's the rube most often. Because when I recorded acoustic guitar outdoors, I had to add super much. 706, like the, that kind of woodiness. Because it was just holes are everywhere there. And I can't um, really, I guess, explain it in other ways. That the room, no matter how treated it is, has a very big impact on those frequencies. Because they're like... If, if you're even if you have like i don't i don't know the exact mathematics but if you have like you know the very very thick thick like you have to be you have to have so much acoustic material to 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 actually get a dead environment yeah. in the lower lower registers like it's like like a wave like the sub i mean you, you're not even mentioned the sub energy you, you just you just penetrates everything yeah exactly so um so being outdoors just took away everything. And the real question yeah. is, did you like it? Did you like the sound? Yeah, it took me a very long time to understand what I should do with it. Mm. Like how I should mix it. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't finished yet, of course, but it <laughs> took, me, took me a good while. I also learned, by the way, if you record drums, uh, I, <laughs> I'm very much of the in-the-moment guy and even uh, like uh, Gustav like the, in the band said like maybe we, we should take a look at the, the kick pedal it sounds a bit squeaky <laughs> I was like no, 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 no let's just yes, go with the flow it's fun, it sounds cool uh, that ended up being uh, a weak project to get rid of Hi, this is Mikkel from the future. Let's just take a listen to the before and after of the kick drum squeak. I used Isotope RX to fix this and I will put a link in the show notes to the tutorial I used to learn how to get rid of the kick drum squeak. Here's the before. Here's after. Uh, but I recognize that so well because I I'm also always like, ah, but what does it matter? Let's just go on, and you you just need to run into something like this once that you check those tracks because I heard the the multi tracks of the drums and indeed there's like, a <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and that's. But I find it interesting because uh, what you say, I love dead rooms. I love the sound of like the '70s records that it's so like, boom, it's so tight. But I really understand that is, it's not. But I like seventies like soul records that are that are super warm, and mellow. But I un, 
I really get what you mean when you say that energy and a room go so well together because it feedbacks and then you hit a snare harder and you get even you people say it well sometimes that you activate the room in a way that yeah. Yeah, at certain frequencies at certain things uh, that's really beautiful yeah. and it really yeah. adds a lot so I can really imagine that a punk record an outdoors punk record might be pretty hard to set up you need a bit of activation yeah. you need to be yeah yeah and also for the drummer uh, for the drummer like not only for the recording but for the drummer and that was steve albini said that like he sometimes very mathematically plays because he, he gets to hear very many times uh, that um, from drummers when they come back into the like in, into the listening room and say like that, that didn't sound like uh, when I was sitting there oh wow uh, so what he he does is that he makes sure that there's a mic picking up what he's hearing and he's like putting uh, like to the like really carefully the distance to the wall in front and like measures how how he experienced that first bounce yeah he makes sure that the drummer gets that first uh, bounce as the drummer is experiencing it and that is uh, that, that it's so cool because i could realize when we were doing it outdoors we from the get-go have a drummer that is very prone to smash the drums <laughs> and i realize when he's outdoors and doesn't have any response from anything no he smashed them even more yeah and exactly. we were we we really wanted maybe a sound that is maybe slightly we i mean uh, slightly more tamed yeah exactly though. it's tone and versus timbre that's something i've really learned yeah. it's like you get more yeah. tone if you play something softer you get more timbre if you play something harder it's like with singing that you can have the choir singing is really like oh then you have a lot of tone very little timbre but if you have more like the punk stuff that's so much timbre mm. but so little tone there's so little of the root note and the same goes yeah. when you uh, pick a guitar note that's well what we talked about in one of the previous episodes that you would finally get the right pick sensitivity going yeah. and then you <laughs> drop the pick that's how soft it was because that's how you want those super mellow notes where it's all tone and so little timbre but that really brings that warm bloominess uh, yeah yeah that adds a lot and sometimes you want you want to always want to find that balance of like tone to timbre it's a good way of seeing it yeah i think so but drummers most often uh they hear they hear what they're hearing in their head and i think many times that they 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 doesn't go together with playing maybe softer mm -hmm. uh, and that that's the challenge and i really understand that challenge like it feels weird for them yeah. to play and not energetic maybe it's not the right none i get what you mean yeah but then again if if you were to play like an insane person and smash the drums then i really would want to have a room mm. and place the microphone have a lot of microphones that takes up the room then that could get translated very well i think yeah exactly because then you get the tim uh, the, 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 the uh, timber and what did you say the timbre the tone or the timbre yeah then you get the tone of the room yeah but you, exactly. you rarely get the tone of the drums and that's a good point while smashing it yeah but yeah because the tone is also a lot of the room i'm really excited okay again i've said this before but it's i haven't done much microphone recording because i came up in like whole edm thing and soft synths and everything but now i'm getting more and more into it and i've also really been thinking about 
How did we get to all the close miking of everything? I mean, sure, it's very good for separation and very good for... Yeah, that kind of mixing, but it is not at all how we hear things in general, because we don't put our ears like right up to a fucking snare drum, right? That that That's ridiculous. Wow. So what we hear is so much of the room. So I've been thinking about that. Like, how do we get there? And then, of course, if you mix on speakers, if, and it's also meant for playback on speakers, I'm just thinking out loud now. If you play it back on speakers, then you activate the room of the listener. So maybe that's why I want the dry, more dry, close mic sounds so that the room of the listener can activate and bring more life to it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I th really think about this. Like, how, how did we get here? And I, I think it's mostly we are, uh, we, humans have in their nature to want to control things, I think. Ah, oh, that's a good point. And, uh, and, uh sometimes it is to our benefit yeah sometimes we can get a bit caught up to, in it yeah exactly well listeners if you've done any weird microphone techniques uh, please uh, share it with us how, how can they still reach us Mikael of course ouradventurespodcast at gmail.com ouradventurespodcast at gmail.com seriously if you have any done any weird microphone things and you feel like you want to share that with us send an email and we'd love to talk about it uh, but that's yeah. a good reflection. That's interesting. Uh, because I can recognize what you say when I heard the drum things. They were su I found them, however, very usable for creative purposes and like mangling and twisting because they were so direct and dry. But yeah. I can also imagine how they on their own can be a bit anemic and a bit life lacking. Yeah. With that whole yeah. room thing going on. Super interesting. Yeah, the, the recording that turned out the nicest from that session, mm -hmm. uh, and that made me also realize, like, the, because that's indeed true. The the drums itself on the tracks we only record the drums on. They are very, yeah. You can you can do a lot. You can you can com you can um, compress them like insane because yeah. the, often when you compress drums that are recorded in a like medium sized untreated room, you only hear the room, and that's mm -hmm. not nice. That sometimes so these drums outdoor drums you could compress insanely much and uh, that was cool i cool. think but uh, the, the thing that i take away most is uh, and you were on this session as well when we did one of the songs where we just did layers and layers mm -hmm. together outdoors all of, of us wearing headphones just doing jam takes yeah. over and over in one song and that song turned out to be the coolest because you just every time i listen to it i get trans like i just get to that vibe we were in at that place and cool. i see the place in front of me and of course that's because i was there yeah. but i actually played it to some people and i asked like what do you think of and they say that ah, it feels like i'm on a summer evening on uh, some terrace and uh, having fun with my friends and we have the music in the background and that that's was exactly cool. how the vibe was when we did this and i get so like I get calm when I hear mm. those layers and layers of jam takes and it's like in it's a lot of stereo recordings of uh, someone shouting something someone does something someone's in the background there's a little f fontaine f fontaine how do you say a little water ah uh, yeah yeah a little fountain yeah fountain yeah uh, in the background that makes noises there's also because of the wind I actually we had a little room because we had a little party tent <laughs> that we put uh, things in. And you can hear th that thing just swiping around uh. Uh, and stuff. Maybe I can put some examples here. In the yeah, please. 
Okay, here's the track. Here's only the drums. And here's the track again. Here's only the jam takes. So here's the track without the jam takes. And with the jam takes. I find this fascinating because I've had this, uh, as you talked about, with like all wanting real drum recordings, and you did it, which is also already applaudable. People should follow up with their ideals in their head. I really have been having this ideal for a long time, which is like just as little processing as possible and as much live recording as possible, which is hard to do sometimes in my uh, musical setup. Um, but I really believe in that and not editing too much because yeah as soon yeah embrace what is there because as soon as you start editing one thing then the whole realism can start falling apart and yeah i'm really excited to experiment more with that like what i did now uh just this monday i uh I took a little calm moment, I took a walk to the local massive beautiful church here in Stockholm, the Maria Schirke, and uh, they have, it's, it's such a magnificently beautiful church, it's so beautiful, calm, and they have a massively beautiful Steinway uh, grand piano in the front there, and I've done it before, and now again I asked the people there if it was okay if I played a bit. Uh, so obviously I play the hardest death metal uh, piano cover. No, I uh, then it's it's so nice to sit there and play the piano, let those notes bloom out into the space of the church and create a bit of an ambient atmosphere. And not only use notes as melody or chords, but more as a texture of what, how they feel and how they fill the air. Uh, so the high notes, they, they pling plong. It's so nice how the, that like little raindrops on a glass roof. I don't know, that's how that feels, but it's just like, it. It can just glow out, glow up so beautifully. But I was sitting there and I was like, oh, let me just record it on my iPhone while I play. Uh, so that's, of course, not the most insane uh, recording setup. But then that immediately sparked something in me once I listened back to it. First of all, no, the, the recording is not perfect, but technically but it is so real and it is so alive hearing some of the people hush hush in the background and that echoing through the space and it fits into this ideal that i have in my head it's like it's so nice when you hear real recordings and so then i try to just keep it real whatever i can touch with my hands i will use for this so then i came home and i wanted to liven up this thing and i also just got my two channels of the shelfer channel and so i wanted to use that as well but i thought okay what if i want what if i stereoize this with my analog chorus pedal the boss wazacraft ce2 um i can stereoize it with that or first run it into the boss uh, analog delay pedal then the chorus pedal, stereoize it, and then in my new Strymon Night Sky reverb, 
then into the shelfer channel, EQ it a bit, compress it slightly because with uh, iPhone recording it can be very weird dynamics and can be a bit harsh at places. And then just do a performance as I listen back to the 20 minutes of recording, play with the delay, play with the reverb. And so everything that happened in this was real and nothing, yeah, was touchable by hand. And that did so much for me and it made it so nice to listen back to, like knowing that every part I've touched with my hands, it's, it's weird, but... Yeah, but it, it, it translates as well. I mean, you send it to me and my, I immediately just like uh, downloaded it, chopped it up and put it in my biggest sampler and wanted to make music with it. <laughs> it's like it sparked... Cool! Uh, yeah, it sparked... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it is, uh, and also just the idea of it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, just that, uh, like for me, oh, that's a cool, uh, th that's a cool story. I made tracks like w with that, like it, it's much, it, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I get going when something feels a bit uh, like out of the ordinary. Yeah, and exactly. that, that makes me well, wanting to do stuff. So when I heard that you did that, I was like, okay, I really want to try to, try to, um, also just be creative with with the files yeah and um, so I don't know if that's that's for everyone but I, I, I it also sounded I mean in the beginning you, you hear someone coughing or something that was me on some side that was you okay it sounded like there was some well, they very far away so uh, that's also the room it's cool <laughs> Yeah, but it's so cool and I have this and again these are ideals right so uh, I have these philosophies in my head and of course uh, money plays a big part of this because thanks to whatever income then it's nice that I'm able to also invest my way into that. But I have this slight belief and I'm not saying at all that you can't make nice music without this but okay, a belief, uh, an ideal again. And that is if this is very philosophical and out there but it's for me knowing for example with these two channels but also for something smaller like the analog delay pedal and the analog chorus pedal they are expensive for pedal being pedals but just as i put my handwork in the music i create knowing that the signal itself flows through something that was made with hands and with people that put in passion in there as well i feel that does give something more spirit if it also goes through electronics that were done with spirit and not by a machine and if you also then record through a beautiful channel that has been built with love and care I don't know, in my, in my out there philosophical head that's going to reflect into very comfortable music and very rewarding music to listen to if every part of the process has got a lot of love involved. And this must be the most deep love profession for high-end equipment anyone has ever given. But it's, yeah, mm -hmm. it, I really believe in that, that if it, it's a way of giving back to your sound and uh and yeah. um, if you should use whatever enables you to make music and i believe in that but i've held off of buying analog equipment for a long time uh so i don't just bought didn't buy for the sake of it because i've been wanting some analog preamps forever but mm. now i was happy that i could f find something that fit in my idea of my philosophy and then uh yeah and yeah, for me it is very I, rewarding I, yeah, uh, but just uh, to uh, 
to be uh, to be the devil. Yeah. Uh, I want to know uh, the other side because I remember uh, the devil's adequate. Yeah. Advocate. I have a hard time saying it. Ad- advocate. Devil's advocate. Del- del- yeah. Or you Whatever. can call it I'm, the devil's I'm, avocado if you want. Yeah, I'm the devil's avocado, <laughs> and um, what the devil's avocado uh, says is that uh, when I have had uh, periods where I like bought, I have never had my made that fancy out outboard stuff. But uh, w- one thing that happened to me that I find this interesting is that I tend to be much more gentler with everything I do and sometimes that's not a good thing mm. and that's why I believe and, and I think that's where the maybe guitar pedals come in because like a guitar pedal asks for you know turn this knob fully clockwise and then back again like it doesn't feel like you're doing a crazy thing but on a preamp uh, the, I I I remember when I was very into it I got a bit too into uh, extremely small details that mm. made me not go uh, crazy with the source material mm. and I usually like going crazy with the source material so I wonder if that have happened you have felt anything of that in this uh, little journey I think that's a good point because I've also had times when I really want to record in 192 kilohertz for example you know because I want some pristine sound or whatever or follow this philosophy of as little processing as possible uh, and if I get too idealistic about it instead of listening to the music I'm actually making then I make very boring music and very unrewarding music so I really understand what you mean so far mm. there's a balance there where it also really fits because I try to or nowadays the lot the things I've done so far are really meant to be relaxing and calming and healing sounds and if you then also philosophically have some if you then treat the equipment lovingly and oh I don't use too much I don't use compression on the way in often and maybe just a touch of EQ but maybe even not because I also just like turning up the preamp and boom there we go because otherwise I start fiddling for hours instead of recording um, I don't know f- philosophically it helps to also yeah take it easy with an easy track but I really understand what you mean that it can be a big trap to get too stuck in a certain ideal of oh I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do that and ending up with a very boring track and something that doesn't speak of emotion at all because you've repressed a lot of emotions in making it yeah, but I think it's a phase that uh, everyone has to have now, now and then, uh, and I have it now and then, uh, and th- th- that's just, and th- it's not for nothing. You, you, when going so deep into it, you also learn things that you will have use of later when you need those small, subtle details. The Devil's Avocado, unfortunately, likes to buy cheap XLR cables. That's why he's cutting out on the recording you were just hearing. However, the Devil's Avocado was also recording a stereo version of the ambience, because... I don't know. So, oral obsessions for stereo recording of ambiences saved the Devil's Avocado. When you need those small subtle details, but uh, I think it's a natural thing 
uh, not to say that you have it because I sent uh, two tracks to you that you made sound extremely nice <laughs> through your uh, two channel uh, Neva thing um, yeah so I, I just um, I, I just wanted to ask and the devil's avocado is uh, happy he got his uh, well point, I think uh, it's a very good point and that's also happy why I got these now after already quite a few journeys with like getting very stuck in my head and I'm sure that I will have many more journeys and moments of being very stuck in my head uh, about certain ideals and stuff but you, yeah what you say you really take that with you and you really grow from it uh, truth be told on those tracks you sent I spent a long time, or a long time, like a few dozen minutes on every, uh, on both tracks. I didn't end up doing much processing at all. Like seriously, we're talking a few, like maybe a few dBs on top and a bit on the bottom. Uh, I started more aggressive and then listening to it, I toned it down again. So I treated it more like a mastering thing. And it's like the comp uh, That makes me feel like a good producer. Yeah, but seriously, <laughs> oh, but seriously, because... But what this stuff allows you to see is as well uh, how good it already is, what is there. And just add, I, I'm really learning that, that start with adding, go with your instinct. Uh, and that's what I like about mastering processes. It's that first, just go with your instinct. Oh, add some high end, add that low end, because it's so easy and nice and rewarding to do. And then also take your time to listen to what you've actually done and really critically listen. And it's like, oh, take that step back instead of listening through the sound, take that step back as the listener. What would this sound like? And then I managed to, oh, you know what? Maybe I should tone this down a bit. I should try out the higher shelf instead of the lower shelf. And for example, and then you get a very, yeah, then all of a sudden my footprint didn't become that big but you really get the best out of your sound in that case. I, I really like mastering uh, stuff uh, because you can be so, yeah, you can take, it's easier for me in that situation to listen when I haven't made my whole own track and I'm in the middle of a hectic process. Yeah, but it was, uh, it, the, it sounded really good. It sounded just better. That was, and creamier. <laughs> creamier. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that, that was good. Uh, I, I, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, it was please fun. Uh, insert examples of a little yeah. before and after. Before. After. Before. After. Are we talking productions and like uh, production? Because I learned a lot from going into depth in that new genre. Yes. Oh, yes. Talk about that, please. Because uh, I've been seriously uh, loving the music you've been making. What have you Thank been making? You. What has happened? What is the story behind this and the journey? Well, the journey, you actually is the initial, initial sparker. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah, you were over here and we did um, like a DJ, uh, because you, have a, you know DJing, so we had a little um, fun with DJ equipment. And then since then, I've been doing DJing a lot, like just on, for fun. 
And then I realized, oh, it would be so fun to try out to do my own tracks. And then I just try, tried out to do the, the kind of dance music I like to listen to when I'm at the club, mm -hmm. which is quite minimal techno house, I guess. Uh, I'm in somewhere. I thought it was Paul Simon. You can call me out. Yeah, I guess that that, that works well. Too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when when trying to produce it, it that's yeah. the, that's where where I uh, tend to end up. Uh, I don't know that much about the genre. No, but like the minimal uh, the stuff details. where you can just really get lost yeah. in it and just nice little yeah. blips and blobs. And I realized when when I was trying to do it, I don't like chord progressions in this kind of music. I also don't like melodies in this kind of music. I think I that is also don't so fascinating. Yeah, and, and I realized, okay, what what am I left with now? <laughs> it's just <laughs> the beats, and uh, so I ended up being left with with only beats and you know, like stabs and like sounds and s beats and sound design, mm. I guess, around 124 to 127 BPM, that kind of. Uh, grooves and uh, it was just so challenging to come up with stuff that sounded interesting yeah but uh, i realized what really really helped me after a while was the like the the polar rhythms and the slight movements of small details like yeah. that, that that you can like have ha have one pattern that goes like chain like that that loops every five step mm -hmm. instead of every every 16 step yeah, exactly. and make that a little small groove and that that you can because then your brain kind of latches onto it and like you just like never figuring it out so you never feel like it gets boring oh, but it's or too much of it gets crazy of course but it's but, so uh, interesting because i've always been stuck well in my dj days i made proper edm so that's more like a Compared to this, that's more like a symphonic orchestra of melody and dramatic things and big things happening all the time. And I had such a hard time making like that kind of minimal music because then I brought in chords and stuff. And I was like, why is this? How, why, why doesn't this work? And it wasn't until you came back with your reflections about the, yeah, the, the melodies and the chords that you don't want that. That made it so clear for me. It's like, yeah, no, you don't want no chords. You don't want the melodies. You said it super well. Was it somebody playing guitar on a track or something? That you don't uh, want to hear yeah, a yeah, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend said uh, like that. I, I did a very like a dream pop song, and and like uh, it, it was very dreamy and very like saucy, uh, yeah. like this uh, <laughs> uh, like wavy yeah. kind of vibe. And, and then all all the way it was like that until the outro where I had the like, guitar solo. Yeah. And he just got mad when he heard it. <laughs> he just like take this guitar solo away. I don't want to heal humans. No, I, I don't want no humans in this song. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same I feel with some like some dance music when I like something I I mean I I I don't this is personal taste of course but I can't take dance music when there should be I I am big believer in organic instruments I love real instruments I love 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 that but in in dance music there sh I just don't I mean now I'm talking this specific music yeah exactly I, I, I like I like it uh, in disco music you know like I love it but in, in this uh, hy hy uh, hypnotic kind of uh, mm. dance music if the, I, I get what he mean he means there because if I would be thrown off I would get pictures in my yeah. head 
of it's, things yeah. that I know while I'm in this trance mode where I am into something that I don't know what, what's happening. And all of a sudden there's a, a dude in front of me in leather pants <laughs> with uh, Les Paul. And I don't need that. <laughs> you don't want the surprise slash in your head when you're dancing hypnotically. No, <laughs> no. No, no, but so. I thought I thought that was super educative. Hearing your journey of starting to make these like yeah minimal techy, housey tracks, and they are genuinely amazing. I love them. I think they're super cool. Thank you. And it's it's unlike I, stuff I've heard you make before, and that is what made me extra surprised. Of like yeah, this is not the organic. Uh, it's not the organic Mikael that I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the this is the robot version. <laughs> it is a robot Mikael. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, no, um, so that's it's super fascinating. No, but, uh, but when I was younger, I used to. I was much more prone to put my identity on everything, mm. and I need to have an identity or in everything. But now I just like I love deep diving in everything and just like see what kind of fun you can have in different genres are different uh, yeah and I, I, I will always still love organic recordings and only real instruments it's just fun to, to step out of your comfort zone yeah sometimes. exactly it's a new perspective and it's new lessons and it sounds like you really went for it and that's cool yeah. um, do you ever had any uh, more production um, breakthroughs uh, lately have I had you, you, you have an uh, outboard uh, you, you bought the Digitone Oh yes, I bought the Digitone. Okay, welcome to our adventures with Bauke Mikael, where Bauke talks about all the shit he bought, <laughs> buying more shit. Uh, so I bought the Digitone, yeah, the Electron Digitone, um, because I wanted an, a little outboard synth and also something that I could just play around with for fun, instead of just work, work music. Uh, and that's been fascinating, that little machine. I am really, really fond of it. It is... First of all, yeah, it was. It came down to two things. Again, for the work stuff, then I would just use it. Yeah, make sure I have as many inspiring sounds ready to go in the preset folders as possible. Because when it comes to the yeah the client work I've done, that is mass production. So it makes no sense for me to be complicated. Then it needs to just be quick and effective. And yeah. for that, it works nice. And then I have my little keyboard that links to it and then I just record it straight in but the most fun I've had with it where it really was shining was when I could close my computer take up just the digitone and start sequencing a little loop or a little song with just the synthesis in there and geez it's so versatile and it sounds so good and it really brought back a bit of the because that's what I've been missing a lot with all my mass production in the lo-fi and the ambient it brought back a bit of like yeah why am I amazing making music because it's fun because it's just enjoyable mm. it's nice to explore some new sounds and mess around a bit yeah. so it really I think it's one of the key factors in my current journey back to myself a bit with music and enjoyment in and out of music uh, and a desire to do things with my hands and this is such a cliche for musicians and uh, producers nowadays are like yeah it's important to do stuff with your hands but the cliche is a cliche for a reason it really yeah. adds something not only do you have finer control when you manage to twist an knob just a little bit and just tweak it a little bit extra but I think also you're just quicker 
able to let go and accept it for what it is. I don't know. I get less yeah, yeah. super deep in it with my head. I am quicker, just like with the guitar pedals and stuff. I'm just like, ah, but it's fine. It's good. It's nice. Let's yeah. go. And that is fascinating. But yeah, it's such an attractive little machine. And those <laughs> yeah. buttons and the click and the clack. And an absolute highlight of the summer is, oh, we did a performance with Beast Beast. Uh, so uh, live performance and I happily got to play keys on that again thank you Mikael and uh, we one day because yeah you live in Riga you came over to Stockholm one day we had the most intimate nerd moment I've ever experienced <laughs> and that is when we hooked up your digitact to my digitone and with the MIDI cables it felt like it felt like we were kissing but with our synthesizers <laughs> yeah. it was like yeah. hooking up the MIDI and then mixing it it was and then we just jamming out you were the, you had the sequencer of the drums and stuff and I was doing some synth stuff that was so much fun it was it was yeah, stupid was how much fun that was yeah 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 but the, there, there is something to be said about like dawless jams. Like that is the most. Like, imagine us, you know, having our two laptops. Should we little jam together? Like, <laughs> should we, like? It is because in in, in daw in daw land, mm -hmm. it's always someone sitting by the computer and some yeah. some people around it. Yeah. While if you have this uh, like yeah boxes or group boxes as someone likes to call them. Maybe we should just like point out you. you uh, the, digi the, uh, the electron digiton which you have is yeah. the FM FM uh, synthesizer, synthesizer slash does, groove box. Yeah, it does drums track. and it does synths, uh, but all FM based. But it also has a filter uh, that really mm. makes the FM a bit more organic again. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, it, it. I can really. I don't know if it's the bubble I am in, but I am been into dawless production now for. I mean, it's how I make music, and I—it feels like there's a big movement going on because you can see that there's clearly gear that is created now that is for that. I mean, yeah. lastly, now that, uh, for example, MPC Live, mm -hmm. uh, I think MPC Live Two, Mark Two, yeah, I think it is. That, like that. that stuff, that stuff has uh, built-in monitors, built-in battery, uh, and. Uh, endless possibilities i'm a bit scared of that one because it feels like it's too much possibilities i, I like, agree I it's like too the, much like a doll again uh, it's almost yeah. a doll but portable yeah. but i love the <laughs> yeah. idea of the thing yeah so i i i just have my uh, my electron devices or my groove boxes hooked up to battery powers and uh external speakers yeah. it works as well but it is um yeah, I, I, there's maybe some people need it more, some people need it less, but mm. I am very analytical and maybe you tend to be on that side too, where yeah, totally. when I get presented, um, if I get presented every possibility in Ableton, if I open up, I get very fast into small, small, subtle sound design yeah. ideas that I don't have the patience for if I sit there with the groove box because it's just so little I can do with it. So I just do what... Uh, it just shapes the song quicker kind of. yeah exactly ah but it's so interesting and that's really i think where a lot of my ideal comes back again currently i'm heavily looking into mixers and uh some analog mixing board it's a bit of a question okay how much longer am i gonna work from home or if i'm gonna set up a studio again the main problem right now is weight like proper analog consoles can be really freaking heavy how am i gonna get that up a flight of stairs but um 
I really have this again this ideal in my head where I just where I don't where I only use the computer as a tape machine that is super useful for a quick edit but I kind of want like just a yeah have a screen the size of an iPad on top of some very well running uh, like the Mac mini you have for example and just use it as the recording and other than that have everything done with the hands because that is what was really rewarding for me personally and the music that I like. There's, on the other hand, also the big factor of client work. And client work, you, of course, I believe that uh, I can push more and more for my way of working. Uh, but there's also sometimes the real world can also, I say the real world, but where more expectations are being put on me because I am fine with not editing stuff and leaving in a lot of flaws. But if you work for clients, often they might not be as happy with that, which just shows that they're insecure. But, uh, oh, Mikael disappeared. Anyway, I will finish what I was saying, uh, which is just... My phone died, so I can't hear Bauke anymore, so I need to go home and... Yeah, whatever. You get it, listener. What happened, Miko? Uh, well, I, my, my phone died, which we were communicating through. I, I, I'm talking so much fondly about this uh, equipment that has batteries and stuff, and I can't even trust my phone, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> the thing was that before I left to the dog park, I just like checked what I had in my pockets, looked at my iPhone charger and took it out, left it and went. That was what I did before I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I took with me battery packs, everything that I, you know, that I might need. But somehow I decided to not take my iPhone charger. So this was a deliberate self-sabotage. It might be. Well, you are the devil's avocado, after all. <laughs> so I guess that I guess that goes hand in hand. Yeah. Oh, that's rich. All right. Uh, I don't remember what I was talking about. Something about yeah, wanting an analog mixer board. Yeah, we talked. We went into Dahl's gear, but uh, uh, continue wherever yes. you 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 like. I, I, I kind of want that. I kind of would love to have no screens involved at all and just record and play back through a little mixer. Yeah. Don't even need to EQ much. Just it's not only about the sound. I do like high quality stuff, but it's not only about adding analog EQ. It's not about that. It's about being able to touch the entire process that the sound goes through and not click with the whole process but yeah. just like touch it and have it be a physical process the making of a sound and the recording of a sound so that's something i'm really uh interested in and uh, curious about how i'm gonna do that yeah sounds like you would want those uh, there are uh, so many of these weird bluetooth midi gadgets that have uh, you know you said like you want to with your physically create stuff there's so many of these fun you this looks like an egg kind of and you you kind of 
turn it upside down to do mod wheels and like shake it to do that. Oh no, 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 <laughs> not that. That stresses yeah. me the shit out. Yeah, yeah. That is like it is Bluetooth strange. and wi wireless stuff stresses me out so much. Yeah. I I'm uh, I'm not a wireless kind of guy. Okay. Like I love my wireless little AirPods because you just like pop them in and I can live my life. But when it comes to proper audio stuff, I'm like, no, everything needs to be wired and reliable. And uh, yeah, nay, I'm I'm sensitive to that. Just like touchscreens. Yeah. Ooh, I, I touchscreens and me, we don't get along. I was the same until I got a dog. Then I realized I <laughs> will not make music now on on in the whole puppy face if I have cables around. So I just that made me go all bad i have i mean i bought as many packs of dog food i bought battery packs since he wonderful arrived. and weird bluetooth uh, midi weird stuff ah but it's a good point i i always find it inspiring with what you what i see from you with um yeah, all the wireless stuff, and you really explore what digital has to offer. You really, and what digital has to offer is portability and flexibility. Yeah, that is the beauty of digital. Yeah, it is, and I really understood that. Like, uh, for example, I, I produce a lot of music using my iPad, and I realized that for me, it's not at all about going into depth about the synths that I have. In uh, I like for me, it's just like. I will find the presets I like and I have my default yeah. settings and it's just one press of a button and I'm connected to my other gears and I can uh, like I, I got there after I bought my first Dolls like this uh, groove box because I realized okay because it's a, I have eight MIDI channels okay now I just need yeah. uh, I hook up my mini log uh, oh now I have one more channel of audio then like I do a track okay, and I realize okay I don't have any more I need to buy seven more synths now <laughs> if I'm going <laughs> to fill up those seven tracks. But then I realized yeah. the whole Bluetooth and the iPad thing, and I can have as many tracks and synths as I want uh, sequencing to an iPad. So I can still be out of the computer. It's kind of like a computer. But, it, oh, it's, but it's, um, different, yeah, it's different, though. It's different. It's, uh, iPad for me is more like a toy. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean, and mm. that can be a very positive thing. Yeah, but I never go into depth about like I, I don't like fiddling with the screen at all. I, I that's my mm. that's the uh, the least favorite part. No, exactly. Uh, it's interesting that you call an iPad a toy because I also also never regarded your music as serious. So <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> well, very, very, very unprofessional. Not not very industry standard. Not well. I, I would agree. So. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's i think that's amazing i think it's inspiring to see uh we have a running joke in between us that everything you do is kind of a sales pitch for the ipad towards me because i am very yeah <laughs> uh, i've got ipad phobia yeah no but i'm i'm not that much of a you know if it works it works it can also yeah, make exactly. you lose a lot of time and buy a lot of apps that you never use and like it's it's the same as with everything so yeah it, it, it is what it makes of uh, makes what, what you make of it and if you have that which is another uh analog versus digital thing i feel is that yes indeed uh plugins i can buy infinitely hardware is a lot more expensive so you can't and it is also it's easier for me to relax once i have 
this thing, I know that, for example, an API, EQ, channel strip, whatever, will sound different, but not better or worse, as I said in the beginning. But I can more comfortably accept, okay, but this is the one I have, so this is the one I will make do now. Yeah. With plugins, I don't get that same piece. No. I have it with my guitar when I got my Strat, that is super nice. Before that, I was looking at, oh, should I get... Uh, uh, 335, a semi-hollow, should I get a Les Paul, should I get a Telecaster? Once I settled on my Strat, now that is my guitar. There are other nice guitars out there and they sound different, they do other things, but they're not better or worse. It's just, this is now my guitar and that's that. Yeah. And that gives me so much peace. Yeah, that's your sound. That's like, the, I, I understand. That's the, I have the same, it took me much more long time to get there though. So it's a, I think it's a good <laughs> thing. I was one of those guitar. I, I had, at one point I had uh, fourteen guitars, I think. No, I never knew this about you, Mikael. Yeah. This is a dark secret. Um, that's that's how it is. Work uh, living, um, living cheap and working uh, industry jobs while you're in your early twenties. That's uh, when you're yeah. in Sweden. That that's when you can do that shit. Because I only come to earn less the older I get <laughs> because I was fucking night shift early industry jobs I had paid a lot and the only thing I did while working was to check out what I will buy next time I get a pay yeah but exactly <laughs> oh shit but that, uh, you you learned stuff that's something yeah. but uh, that's then I I sold all of them saved my jazz master and I've had that since uh, 2011 I think oh cool but that's a nice long time yeah I got a strat as well so now I do but <laughs> maybe a little maybe a little no no but, uh, but that, that i don't get that same piece when it comes to plugins for example uh yeah it's it's different it, and again it's not better or worse it's just different yeah true well that was some good oral reflections yeah uh should we end with the uh, the plugin of the week from you Ooh, and bring from it me. okay Okay, what is uh, you you hit it off? What is it, your plugin of the week? I will do uh, a weird approach here. I uh, half year ago uh, I did uh, I have my template of like how uh, all of this talk about like doll as gear. I still finish all of my tracks in the computer. That's how it is. I need to do that, uh, and that's the good part about it too that you can have these different stages. But I used to have so much processing going on on my like. Ableton projects that my computer would just like hate me and uh, it turned around this summer some time when I because I, I use a lot of sample based I, I make a lot of sample based music uh, I just bought a lot of samples that I really really loved and since then I have used half of the plugins if not even more like like so fewer plugins cool and uh, so, so my favorite plugin of the week is an empty channel. Oh, <laughs> because I'm <Yeah>. special. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I uh, I had a little uh, discovery moment, um, thinking of like analog to digital, digital headroom versus analog headroom, and the modeling of plugins, and that they do calibrate at minus eighteen dBFS and everything. Uh, at least the UAD plugins do, and I think many analog modeled plugins do. Um, then are, people always say, yeah, you can push analog harder. And 
the same goes actually for the analog modeled plugins. You can push them very hard before they actually start breaking up. Mm. Like, okay, example, take the UAD 1073. You're actually, there's a digital out on that thing. There's like the analog modeled, the, the, the preamp or line amp. Then there's the VCA fader. And then there's a digital out that's just clean gain. You can go very high on all the gain settings and turn down the digital gain because otherwise you're clipping your master. Uh, it shows how far you... How, how do you know which one is the digital gain? Do all UAD have that? No, they don't all have it, but the newer ones mostly do. So the 1073 has got yeah the line, everything that looks like the, the, the 1073 thing. And then there's a small little twisty button under the fader mm. that is just a digital out. Oh, that's awesome. And, but what I started thinking is like, hey, why don't I use this in a different way? So on my master bus, using it as a little gain stage, uh, after my other master processing, I imagine you have an EQ, you have a compressor going on, and then uh, or a little tape thing, then set up the, uh, so after that stuff, as a final gain stage, instead of turning up the gain with your final limiter, I just keep the limiter at zero, so no added gain. It's just there to catch those peaks. But then just push that um, 1073, for example, push the line amp until it starts sounding shit. So I'm not looking at the limiter, and the limiter is going because you're going decibels over the over digital zero. But because you're in 32-bit floating point, it doesn't matter. So the, uh, the limiter just catches that and brings it back to zero. But Are plugins in 32-bit float? Well, the whole the whole DAW goes in thirty two bit float. So I had no idea. You um, okay? Uh, that's cool. I learned something. So there. what is interesting? Um, yeah, try this out instead because normally on the FabFilter Pro L, for example, you turn up the gain right mm. into the into the limiter. Mm. So actually, you're going over digital zero there, but the limiter stops it, and uh, then. What I then did is, yeah, again, keep that limiter at zero, put the 1073 before that limiter, and just turn up the line gain until you hear the crunch. Huh. And then you, that way you're not looking at the limiter, how many peaks it's catching, but you're just listening to, is this sounding too much or not? Mm. And you add that kind of analogy gain stage in a way that analog is very good at. It's yeah. going over, going beyond, but you don't get into trouble because that limiter is after it. So I can really recommend it. Play around with a fader and the line amp on the 1073 going into a limiter that is just set at zero. Yeah, yeah that is super, it's super, uh, super interesting. I, I had it really so opens little, up the sound. Yeah, I had so little understanding of this until actually you showed me that the pink acoustic plugin, like uh, uh, the, I had to like, to compensate for that ex you used the makeup gain to get crunch on that one and then yeah it got so and i want to gain compensate and then i went for the output and i said like, that's just the output but you said like no that interferes with the inner circuit in it the does. plugin and i was like whoa it does. what <laughs> so then um, i had to add another plugin uh, yeah exactly so this kind and of stuff is new for me I'm starting to embrace with that, for example, that it's okay. Sometimes it's even very good to not be able to AB perfectly because especially on your master bus, you need to get that volume up to zero and or like as high as you are comfortable with. And why do you let that final limiter do the entire, entire gaining of that while you could up make sure that the compressor 
if you do the makeup gain, at least the UAD API 2500, that has some extra character as you turn up the makeup gain. So don't let it, if you, if you turn it off and you lose some gain, that's fine. That might be even good for your gain stage. So mm. you add gain in steps. So turn up that gain a bit there so you at a, are at a comfortable level. Another thing I did for this whole mm. gain stage experiment is... Okay, start with my pool tech EQ. That is just what it is. A little bit at 100, a little bit at 8 or 10K. Then, indeed, the API 2500. Uh, and after that, the UAD tape machine, the MPEX. Um, and that one, they are calibrated at different, uh, decib of, uh, different VU levels. So the MPEX is at like minus 12 dBFS. That is where it's hitting zero. Mm -hmm. But I believe the 2500 is at around minus 18 or minus 16 or something. But what I did is turn up the makeup gain of the API 2500 while looking at the MPEX tape machine oh, until yeah. that was hitting mm. in the nice range. So I am just adding gain to the whole signal mm. and not worrying about the AB because in the end, I want it to get louder. <laughs> so why not use the beautiful analog model louder because then you get a bit of that electronics working harder. You should have this so uh, conversation with uh, your Dutch friend uh, Witze. Oh yeah, we'll get it. It would be a very, fight. very interesting conversation. <laughs> it would be a very interesting conversation. So of course, there's a time and place for perfect a being, but this you got to think about the gain stage and how you're building up the gain, and then the same. So the tape machine is hitting nicely. Then after the tape machine, add the 1073 as his final line amp into the limiter, because then of course you're going to get a very different sound than when you just turn up the limiter, because that's just clean-ish gain but you open up the mix so much more by uh using that 1073 or another analog modeled plugin that adds volume hmm. so use it as proper outboard use it as in an analog way of just like yeah make those electronics work yeah. in your favor yeah, super good tip. Uh, well, that was, very uh, uh, short closer. I, I I do know my favorite plugin, and we we were just having our like the the podcast break when we were thinking about having an episode episode of vintage plugins in quote unquote. <laughs> And oh, we were into yes. Waves plugins and the oldest, yes. like the real old catalog stuff, the L1 and all of that. And uh, one of the older, it's not that old, but the NLS bus um, mm. things. That's the one that is on my um, template when I do my lo-fi music. And so, so now when I use so little less processing, it's always there. So when I feel like, okay, this song just needs some limiting and that's it. But I can always just open that up and just check how does it sound on the mic? How does it like sound on API? How does it sound? Uh, for those of those who know, this is a, a channel strip that is supposed to emulate Neve API and uh, I believe uh, Abbey Rose. I think it's, uh, I think it's in uh, I Red. Think it's, you have a Neve, you have the Chandler, yeah, Chandler, the a yeah. EMI, and you have an SSL. Yeah. Is it SSL? I, th I believe it's SSL. It's the, the, the mic is uh, from Mike, of uh, Spike. <laughs> you have Spike and Mike. Spike is uh, API. Mike is Spike is, the... is SSL. Spike is Spike Stent, and he's a heavy SSL user. Ah, really? your life just crumbled it, no but okay so spike is ssl okay maybe maybe i can be corrected but i think i believe uh i or i'm confident in saying that the spike is an ssl the neve is the um, the third uh, option 
The third option, and that is of uh, Yoad, uh, the guy who runs yeah. uh, Waves. And then there's the mic, and that is the Chandler, the Chandler, Chandler. EMI yeah. uh, thing. Abbey Road stuff. Yeah, Abbey well, Road stuff. I usually end up on, which on the... Which is the nicest one. Yeah, it, I end up on that very often, or Spike. I really don't often use the Neve on this one. But it's fun no. to, to just like quickly check in a different perspective because it does change when you feed your whole mix into that. It does. It does really change. Like the mic setting has such an oomph to it and, and the spike do you cache use actually... Just once, do you just use one instance of the plugin or your master bus or do you do it over your whole thing and then you change every single one? Uh, I, I have a lot of instances. So it's supposed yeah. to calibrate these small nuances from all the channels, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you do it in the proper full way. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, cool. Nice. Yeah, it, it, so that that's my plugin of the week. Yeah. Plugin of the week. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, I can be the biggest bitch of all and say, my plugin of the week is actually analog hardware. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, this was fascinating. Yeah, nice. fun stuff. I, uh, yeah, I, I can really recommend trying that little thing. I can talk you through it again. But uh, the trying out the thing with... Um, adding gain in your fake analog gain stage can add a lot to the character of your uh, mix. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely try it out. Don't um, be afraid of gain. No, shouldn't. So how do we end this? Goodbye. How, how, Walk uh, out of the room. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Later. Uh, thank you for um, anyone who listens. And uh, yeah, you can always reach us at oral adventures podcast at gmail.com yeah we have an, if you uh, have anything to say say it yeah we have an instagram also oral adventures podcast all right thank you anyone for listening and uh it was nice having this little chat again yeah and i think we're gonna do more in the future yeah what about doing uh vintage plugins next week next week we'll talk about vintage plugins yeah. that's a great one yeah bye bye, bye.